Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The forest had always been my sanctuary. As a park ranger, I had grown accustomed to the rhythmic sounds of nature, the rustling leaves, the gentle babbling of streams, and the distant calls of wildlife. But nothing could have prepared me for the discovery that awaited me deep within the heart of the park, a hidden lake with an otherworldly aura that would forever change the course of my life. It was a crisp autumn morning when I first stumbled upon the hidden lake. The air was cool and fragrant, the leaves on the trees painting a vibrant tapestry of reds and golds. I was following an obscure, overgrown trail that seemed to beckon me forward, 
The deeper I ventured, the more an inexplicable sense of anticipation filled the air. And then, suddenly, there it was, a shimmering expanse of water nestled within a natural clearing. The lake surface was so pristine it seemed to mirror the very sky itself. Yet it was the aura that surrounded the lake that held me spellbound. It was as if a veil separated this place from the rest of the world, casting an ethereal glow that defied explanation. I approached the water cautiously, my footsteps muffled by the thick carpet of fallen leaves. As I gazed into the lake's depths, a strange sensation washed over me, a feeling of being simultaneously grounded and weightless, as if the boundaries between the physical and the spiritual had blurred. I knew I had stumbled upon something truly extraordinary. My intrigue deepened when I began to hear whispers carried by the gentle breeze. At first, the whispers were faint, like distant echoes that danced at the edge of my consciousness. But as I continued to listen, they grew clearer, forming coherent phrases that seemed to address me directly. Their words were cryptic, filled with riddles that tugged at my curiosity. As word of the hidden lake spread, visitors began to arrive, drawn by the rumors of its enchanting aura. They came seeking solace, hoping to find answers to their own questions in the lake's reflective surface. However, as more and more people swam in the lake, reports of bizarre experiences began to surface. Visitors spoke of lost time, of swimming for what felt like minutes, only to emerge from the water hours later, disoriented and confused. Others described vivid hallucinations that played out in front of their eyes while submerged, as if the lake held the power to project their innermost thoughts onto the world around them. Alarmed by these reports, I felt a responsibility to investigate the lake's mysteries. I spent countless hours researching the area's history, scouring old records and speaking with locals who had lived in the region for generations. It was during these investigations that I uncovered a tragic legend, a tale that was whispered in hushed tones, a cautionary story of love and loss that had been passed down through the years. The legend spoke of two young lovers from rival families who had met secretly at the lake. Their love was forbidden, and the lake became their refuge, a place where they could escape the constraints of their feuding families. But tragedy struck when their secret rendezvous was discovered, resulting in a heart-wrenching confrontation that led to their deaths. It was said that their spirits remained trapped at the lake, forever bound to the place where their love had met its tragic end. As I delved deeper into the legend, I began to suspect that the malevolent entity dwelling beneath the lake's calm surface was the vengeful spirit of one of these ill-fated lovers. The lake, with its otherworldly aura, had become a vessel for their anguish and longing, casting a spell over anyone who ventured into its waters. With a heavy heart, I resolved to confront the malevolent entity and break the cycle of sorrow that had haunted the lake for generations. Armed with knowledge from my research and a determination to free the spirits from their torment, I returned to the lake. One moonlit night, I waded into the water, its surface smooth and still as glass. I closed my eyes, allowing the whispers to wash over me, their voices a symphony of pain and longing. As I whispered words of understanding and compassion, a sense of overwhelming sadness enveloped me. Suddenly... The shape began to form beneath the water, 
an ethereal figure that emerged, its features distorted by sorrow. With a trembling voice I addressed the spirit, recounting the tragic tale of love and loss that had led to its torment. I spoke of forgiveness and release, urging the spirit to let go of its anger and find peace. The figure wavered, its form becoming less distinct, until finally it dissolved into the water, its energy merging with the lake itself. In that moment a profound stillness settled over the lake, and the aura that had once been so otherworldly seemed to fade. The whispers once haunting had transformed into a gentle breeze that caressed my skin. As I stood in the water I felt a sense of closure, a sense that the spirits had finally found the peace they had long sought. With a final look at the lake I turned and walked away, my heart heavy but hopeful. The hidden lake was no longer a place of mystery and malevolence. It had become a testament to the power of understanding, compassion, and the human spirit's capacity to bring healing even to the most haunted corners of the world. During high school, my boyfriend and I decided to sneak out one night and head to the lake. It was a secluded spot, and we thought it would be the perfect place to spend some time together, away from the prying eyes of our parents. The night was pitch black, and the only light came from the faint glimmer of the moon reflecting off the water. We found a park bench next to the shore and started making out. As we got more and more into it, I suddenly heard strange sound coming from the water. I told my boyfriend to stop and listen, and we both went completely silent. The sound was like someone or something swimming methodically, as if they were trying to sneak up on us without being detected. The mysterious swimmer got closer and closer, and my heart started pounding in my chest. I could barely see anything in the darkness, but I could still hear the splashing and feel the tension in the air. It felt like whatever was in the water was about to reach out and touch us. Unable to take it any longer, I let out a scream, and we both jumped it from the bench and ran as fast as we could away from the lake. We didn't stop running until we were sure we were far enough away from whatever had been lurking in the workin. To this day, I still have no idea what was in the lake that night. Was it a person trying to scare us, or was it something else entirely? Whatever it was, the memory of that night still sends shivers down my spine whenever I think about it. That experience taught me a valuable lesson. Sometimes the scariest things can happen in the most unexpected places, and the unknown can be more terrifying than anything else. I have a buddy named Corey childhood best friend and next-door neighbor. In the summer before 10th grade, we had a sleepover at our mutual friend Mars's house. Mark's mom was super chill and always hung out with us. One night, she brings over a Ouija board and suggests we play with it. No big deal. Being the music fans we're, we ask it stupid shit. Let me speak to the spirit of Jimi Hendrix, Bob Marley, etc., the planchette was moving, and we all swore it wasn't us doing it purposefully. At one point, Mark asks it to prove it's real. Always a bad decision. From under Mark's bed, twenty pounds free weight slid across the floor and hit an adjacent wall. Freaked out, we stopped for the night. Throughout the next few weeks, we would go to Mark's house, sleep over, do the Awaija board, 
We decided to set up some basic recording equipment, ask questions and play the recording back to try and hear things. We did get some faint noises. I'm not convinced it was anything but Mark was. And so Mark got creeped out and gave the board to Corey. Now that Corey had it, him, myself, and his Jeff at the time, Katie used it much more frequently. We were till asking stupid questions and getting dumb answers. After about three months of this, all that changed. The algebra board started responding oddly. We would ask, what's my mom making for dinner? And the board would spell out the rotten corpses in your walls. It would start to try and touch the four corners, make the infinity symbol, and go through the alphabet backwards. All bad signs. Corey became obsessed with it. He started doing the Aweja board alone, which is also a bad idea. While using it, he would ask it to do things, and it would stand up on its tip, climb a wall, shoot out from under our hand. The planchette started feeling heavy and would leave drag marks on the board. I got creeped out. I told Corey we should stop. He didn't. Corey, still very interested in things like this, decided to try automatic writing, where Bue asked the spirit to use your own motor skills to move a pen and write on paper. Corey, who is left-handed, grabbed the pen with his right hand slightly contorted, starting writing shakily. First the alphabet, then words. Unfortunately, I don't remember exactly what he wronged, but it was scary to see. Corey started acting weird after that. We were in chorus in H.S., and while singing his right hand would move around and practice writing on the sheet music. I remember on day he wrote, Josh wants Katie. Don't let him get her. He would start jabbing me with his pencil when we were next to each other and other weird behaviors. Being both raised Roman Catholic, we were a part of a local youth group that prayed the rosary every Monday night. Corey's dad would drop us off. Mine would pick us up. One night in November it was raining, and my dad came to pick us up at about 9.30 p.m. Corey decided to decline the ride and said he would get a ride with someone else. Okay. Weird. But whatever. He calls me close to midnight that night and says he blacked out during the prayer meeting and came to while standing on the bridge near our home in the pouring rain, staring at the water below. For context, we live in R.I.S.O. in November. It's cold. Especially at nights. Especially when it's rainy. At that point, I urged him to get rid of it. After I started trying to get Corey to get rid of it, I started being attacked. I would get woken up in the middle of the night after feeling like someone flicked or tapped me on the forehead. I would get woken up and be half off my bed like I was dragged out. I would wake up and see all my blankets folded on my bureau across the room. I am a very light sleeper. I called Corey and told him I was going to get rid of it myself. He gave me the board that afternoon. The night before I got rid of it, as I was sleeping, I was jolted away. It had felt like something grabbed my arm. The hand felt bony, cold, and like it had very long fingers. I stayed up the rest of the night sitting on my bed, all the lights on, scared shitless. The next day, based on info I found online, I cut the board up into seven pieces and buried them separately in a nearby old historical cemetery. I ended up having a bruise on my forearm for the next two weeks. I haven't had any related instances since. 
Corey probably has additional info he could add to this as well, but this is all I got. He has mentioned having really messed up dreams, and he had other experiences at this time, but I don't know enough to tell them. An old friend of mine and I planned a trip to Isle Royal in 2008. We've been on a couple of adventures together. Boundary Waters, Appalachian Trail, so this was just another awesome week to get away and enjoy the outdoors, which we did end up doing, but man, did we have one hell of a time. On the third night, I was out going to the bathroom when I thought I heard something move a few yards away. I stopped for a moment and almost went to investigate, but decided that it was nothing and headed back to camp. That next morning, we packed up camp, and while getting ready, my buddy, David, called me over to him. He was right outside our campground, and he pointed out two sets of wolf tracks. I about shit myself realizing what that noise was the night before. So we finished packing our bags and kept hiking. Neither David or I would wander more than ten yards away from one another from that point on. Last night we were getting our bags set in a tree so the bears and mini bears wouldn't get to them. When all of a sudden my friend said he saw something move, I looked and didn't see a thing, but I didn't question him. We grabbed our flashlights, stoked the fire. Neither of us slept that night. I didn't see anything, or for that matter hear anything that night. Once the sun came up, we got our packs down and cleaned up our campsite. When we were about to leave, David went and checked the place. He thought he saw something. Sure enough, man, this dude found another set of tracks. I finished packing my shit. We got to the docks, and I looked at him and said, Never again. To this day, neither of us have gone camping. August 13th started off like any other day. My name is Kalu, a proud member of the Sioux Nation. Together with my friend and Klamath chief George Tucker, we set off on an elk poaching trip. A little over a mile southwest of Pelican Butte, Oregon, we were deep within the territory marked about five miles west of the upper end of Klamath Lake. The area was rich with wildlife, a quiet, secluded spot nestled on top of a ridge in heavy forest. Our favorite hunting ground, as we stalked our prey through the thick underbrush, something unusual caught my eye. In the distance, I saw what initially appeared to be a large, dark figure. As I squinted, trying to make sense of what I was seeing, the figure started to take shape. My heart pounded in my chest as I realized what it was, a creature unlike anything I had ever seen. Demon, I whispered to George, pointing towards the creature. It was the best word I could find to describe it, but it wasn't quite right. It was more like a woman gorilla if such a thing existed. I knew it was female, as I could clearly see her bare breasts. She appeared to be lactating, suggesting she had a child somewhere, though it was not in sight. The creature was gigantic, easily towering over us at an estimated height of seven half feet. Her skin was a light brown in stark contrast to the dark brown fur that covered the rest of her body. We were about fifty yards away, but I could clearly see the outline of prominent canine teeth in her wide mouth. Suddenly, she let out a loud, chilling scream that echoed through the forest, freezing us in our tracks. George and I instinctively lifted our loaded rifles, sighting the creature through our scopes. It was a reflex born out of countless hours spent hunting. 
but even as we stared at the creature through our scopes, we knew we had no intention of pulling the triggers. This was no elk. This was something else. Something special. Shooting it felt wrong. Fear and awe battled within me as I stared at the creature. George and I exchanged a glance, and without a word we knew what we had to do. With our hearts still pounding, we lowered our guns, turned, and made our rapid departure from the area. This was her forest. We were just visitors. We left with more questions than answers that day. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. But one thing was clear. We had just witnessed something extraordinary, something that would stay with us for the rest of our lives. I'm Joe, a Navy SEAL stationed on a small island near Iraq. I've experienced my fair share of intense and harrowing situations. But nothing could have prepared me for the disturbing and inhumane encounter I had during one particular deployment. Rumors had been swirling among the soldiers, whispered words that hinted at something deeply unsettling happening beneath the surface. It was said that there were human hostages being held captive in underground cages, subjected to unspeakable horrors. Initially, I brushed it off as mere gossip, a product of the stress and isolation that surrounded us. But the curiosity gnawed at me, urging me to investigate further. One morning, during our routine roll call, we were led to a hidden cave entrance. As we descended into the depths, a chilling sense of dread settled in the pit of my stomach, and then the truth was revealed before our eyes. The underground chambers held prisoners, but they were no longer human. Their bodies contorted, their minds twisted into something inhuman, something grotesque. They exhibited animalistic behaviors, their eyes devoid of humanity, replaced by a primal instinct. The commanding officer, breaking his long-held silence, finally shared the truth with us. These captives were not ordinary people, and the knowledge of their existence had been intentionally concealed from us. He warned that any attempts to free them had resulted in gruesome deaths, with the mutilated bodies displayed as a grim reminder of the consequences. No sooner had he finished speaking than chaos erupted. The prisoners broke free from their cages, their newfound freedom fueling a rampage of violence and terror. The unit was ordered to evacuate immediately, to retreat back to the safety of our ships, but the journey back would become an ordeal of unimaginable horror. Each person in our unit had their own eerie encounters as we fought our way back. Some heard chilling whispers in the darkness, tormenting their minds with ancient secrets. Others caught glimpses of shadowy figures stalking us always lurking just beyond the reach of our weapons. In the desert hills I personally witnessed a towering creature, its head resembling that of a deer adorned with sharp antlers and long, menacing claws. Its eyes bore into my soul as it observed our every move, a silent threat that sent shivers down my spine. 
In the end, it was a battle for survival. We lost many brave men along the way, their sacrifices etched into our hearts and minds. As the chaos unfolded, I found myself face to face with the creature that had haunted our nightmares. In a desperate fight for my life, I had managed to take down, but not without scars of my own. I escaped the island, fleeing in a boat, the weight of what of what I had witnessed weighing heavily on my conscience. The secrecy surrounding the captives and the horrors they had become haunted me, and I knew I couldn't keep this experience buried within me. I felt compelled to share my story, to shed light on the inhumanity that lurked beneath the surface of the battlefield. So here I am, a Navy SEAL named Joe, breaking the silence and hoping that my words serve as a warning. There are horrors that exist beyond our comprehension, secrets that are kept hidden for reasons we may never fully understand. But we must never forget that even in the darkest corners of our world, there are those who fight for justice and for the preservation of our humanity. Back last year, almost exactly, in walking, and there's a trail that stems into a first from the main road, and you walk through a very tight path. That is partly broken up due to thick tree roots. I'm walking back from a six-mile jog, and I'm halfway in the trail. To my right, several meters below me, and about 100 to 180 feet away, there are train tracks from that area. I hear what sounds like a parrot screeching, crying in my direction. I turn around, trying to see where it came from, and I started walking faster. It screeched louder, and I heard a single rustle than the sound coming closer. I think I broke the world record for the 100-meter dash because I booked my tits out of there, and I never heard it since. Stupid of me, but I went back days later, multiple times, and never heard it again. Except faintly once, I think. Does anyone have any idea what the F that thing was? It sounded like it was crying. But half in pain and half in get-over-here-bitch-kinds tones. All I can say is that it did not sound human at all. It only sounded like it was crying, screeching like a demon baby. Hey everyone, let me tell you about a creepy thing that happened to me early this week. At the time, I didn't think anything of it. But now that I've put some thought into it, I feel a bit creeped out by it. A bit of backstory. I'm a guy in my early 20s who enjoys the occasional joint, though my parents, whom I live with, do not approve. As a result, I keep my stash in the woods down the road from my house. The actual stash site is very well hidden. It was in a very thick bush under a rock, practically buried. There is absolutely no way that anyone could just happen to find the stash. And I know this because I've been using this same spot for almost a year. Plus, like I said before, it was practically underground under a bush in the middle of some woodland that is rarely visited. Anyhow, that night I remember feeling quite creeped out as I walked through the woods, as if someone was following me. I felt like I could hear movement behind me, feel eyes on me. But I just sort of put it down to the fact that I was walking through the dark, spooky woods on my own, high as if, in the middle of the night. When I got to the stash site, there was a cat nearby. She looked a little alarmed by my presence, but didn't run away until a few moments later when she noped the F out of there for seemingly no reason. 
This spooked me out a bit and sort of reinforced that feeling of being followed I had a minute or two before, but I reassured myself by putting it down to the weed, making me paranoid. I go back the following night, and Stash is gone. Putting it all together in my head, the only explanation that makes sense is that someone... or something. But probably the former Lowell was indeed in those woods. Very weird shit. Needless to say, I don't like staying at hotels much anymore. I drove nine hours to meet my parents at a halfway mark to pick up my two-year-old daughter at an agreed-on hotel. I assumed we were all going to stay there the night since we both had such a long drive. When I had grabbed all her things, I asked, Are you going to stay here too? My dad said, No, we're going to head back. I was a little disappointed, but I understood that they don't like hotels much. I checked in, went to our room. It was fairly late, but I don't sleep much at night. I am more of a night person. I turned the TV on, and I was in my bed, and my daughter was in hers. She fell asleep pretty quick, probably the car ride. I had all the lights off in the room. The only light was coming from the TV. I was sitting up against the headboard with my legs stretched out straight in front of me under the covers. All of a sudden, I felt something grab my toes, both feet at the same time. I quickly pulled my legs in toward me with my knees bent against my chest. I grabbed my phone and used the light on it to shine at the end of the bed. I didn't see anything. I sat there trying to look stoic like I wasn't afraid, but inside I was screaming I didn't want whatever it was to see me scared. After a few minutes of sitting there, acting like nothing just happened, I relaxed my legs and continued watching TV. Moments later, I felt pressure next to my leg like a hand like... Someone was leaning their body onto the bed from the end of the bed with both hands down on the mattress. Then I felt pressure as if their left hand moved forward and pressed down. Then... What felt like their right hand moved forward and closer to my knee. Then their left hand moved forward. It felt like someone or something was crawling up to my face, slowly and methodically. It was definitely a Harley Quinn-type movement. I could feel the palm push down first, then the hand rolled forward to the fingers. Imagine it like how a person walks. Heel to toe, the motion was very similar and very exaggerated. It was creepy and unsettling, like it was having fun. I flung off the blankets and jumped into my daughter's bed, hoping her innocence would save me. I was facing the wall, spooning her, and I seen shadows go across the wall. I jumped up and turned the light on, frantically grabbing our stuff to pack up to leave. I went down to check out. It was about 4 a.m. The guy I worked and said you were leaving early. I said, yeah. Couldn't sleep by chance. Do you have anyone ever tell you this hotel is haunted? I laughed nervously, waiting for him to laugh, too. Which I wish he would have. Instead, he replied, why? What room were you in? I told him. And he replied, I don't know why they put you over there. I never put people over there. Ever since we got new owners, they did a cleansing on the building, thinking things would get better. But since then, things have gotten worse. I told him, yeah, I don't think it worked. I will never forget that, and I wanted to share it. Decades ago, there was this mountain road on a place called Big Hill. 
It was the main thoroughfare to get from one county to another, and it wound down the mountain through dense tunnels of trees and down long sloping curves. As the story goes, a woman was killed tragically, and when the culprit wanted to dispose of her body, he shoved her in an old dryer and pushed it over the edge, down into the woods of the hill. It wasn't unusual for people to dump their waste and unwanted here, so it would have been just another piece of junk left behind. After that, people started making reports of seeing a woman walking up and down the hill at night, all alone in the dark, tree-lined road. People started to say that you should never leave the window cracked when you're traveling Big Hill because drivers have seen her on the side of the road, and then suddenly her face in their rear-view mirror. She would hitch a ride from the top to the bottom and then would be gone. They always said she was looking for the man who dumped her body, and if you didn't want her hitching a ride, to always have your windows up so she couldn't get in. Some years later, due to the traffic use of that road, they actually redid it the road entirely blasted and removed trees and actually ended up rerouting it entirely to make it better for semis. Ye can see the remnants of the old road off in the woods, and the few remnants where the old road looks like it crosses over where they built the new road. After they built the new road, there weren't any more reports of the woman on the hill. The superstition went away and the talk of her died down. I think about that from time to time and I imagine she's still there, walking the old forest road where time has forgotten it, just waiting to find the one who killed her. This past November I was finishing a two-month project in Wyoming. I worked four, five days during the week and moonlighted as a DJ at a bar in Riverton. Sometimes I would call a friend just to stay awake as I would wake up at four and be up for around 23 hours straight. One night on the phone, I thought I heard a womanly scream. I was parked by the cabin, but had no idea where the noise came from. The canyons made directional noises difficult. I waited a few minutes to see if I cucked here it again, but nothing. One night, after closing out Deijing at around 2.30 a.m. and heading back 18 miles to the cabin, rented out by a big game travel guide that lived next door. I was sharing with my co-workers. I seen a huge gnarly beast of an animal with huge fangs and the size of me on the side of the road with blood-red eyes. It scared the living piss out of me as it was in the general area of the cabin. Since it was still a 200-foot walk in complete darkness and with no firearms with me, I slept in the truck. I awoke the next morning and told the boys why I slept in the truck. I ain't gonna lie, I was scared. And after describing what I saw and looking around the cabin, I pointed at a taxidermied mountain lion and said actually it looked just like that. At first, nobody believed me. Even the big game guide neighbor, Dave, said that mountain lions never came down from the mountain or close to town, Ect. It wasn't till later that day his Dave neighbor and his daughter came to warn us that they spotted a mountain lion. From there, hunting blind a mere 300 meters away, the next day, the mountain lion was hit by a truck. Luckily, not mine. In high school, my best friend's father was divorced and never remarried, so he had lots of free time to travel. One, his favorite things to do was backpack, alone. In the summer of 2010, he decided to backpack through a rather large canyon somewhere, Jordan. 
He had planned on it, taking him a total of five days to hike from one village to the next via this canyon. On his third day in the canyon, he was awoken by a large brown bear, so he pulled out his camera to take a few photos. As he was scrolling through the photos he had just taken, he scrolled one back too far and found a picture of him sleeping in his tent. All in all, he found over a dozen photos of him sleeping inside his tent, with the date stamp being from the night before. He had yet to see a single person during his adventure thus far. After that night, he decided to travel during the night and sleep during the daylight hours. He did this for two days before he could make it to the next village. After that incident, he never went backpacking alone again. I've been going offshore for a couple of decades now. My trips to Alaska have always left a massive impression on me. I think it's the lack of people and the general ominous feeling that the land can give off at times. Kind of like people are not really welcome there. Well, I was crossing the Gulf of Alaska just far enough offshore that you couldn't see the beach, but just the tops of several mountains and Mount Logan, a big bastard, were visible. They looked like teeth, and combined with the larger waves, the whole scene did not look welcoming in the slightest. I can see how ancient mariners could easily come back with tales of monster islands. After seeing something like that, I've also recovered gear in the middle of the night. In Alaska, right before a storm, the seas were actually really calm, but the skies were pitch black, and there were no other lights to be seen. Strangely, the lights of our vessel didn't seem to reflect off of anything in the air either, and the feeling was that just off the boat, in any direction, was nothing. Then, of course, are the storms offshore. I've been in shitty weather fairly often, but only a few times did I really reconsider my life choices. Getting stuck in a storm is bad, but getting stuck in a storm when shit starts to break on a boat is far worse. You really do get a feeling that the sea might just take you, and it's just beating you for days until something breaks. I've only had two occasions where that happened. Both times people actually left the industry when the vessel tied up. The feeling of relief as your vessel limps into port, and you have sun on your face once more is breathtaking. 